So I'm Ben Law, I'm a VP at GoDaddy. I run the UK business. Our mission is to support these everyday entrepreneurs and how do we bring not just the products, tools and services, but the people that give that advice or guidance that can help you grow your journey or power your journey to that next level. My guest today is Ben Law, head of GoDaddy UK and an entrepreneur himself. He's gonna share with us his experience being a corporate entrepreneur, as well as talk a little bit about what him and his team have recently found out about communities, stuff you need to know to make sure your business continues to be successful. Our mission is to help 10 million people start and grow a business for free. We want nothing from you. In Pep Talk, we interview industry-leading experts from around the world who share actionable know-how and life lessons. That's why we're excited to partner with GoDaddy to power up Pep Talk. I've been using GoDaddy for years and would promote them on this podcast even if they didn't sponsor us. You can use their free website builder and start your online business at no cost and even get help these days with naming your business. For 40% off GoDaddy tools, click the link in the podcast notes below and use the code GDXPEPTALK. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Morning, Simon. Great to have you here. Maybe we could start off by telling the audience a little bit about your background. Yeah, thank you. So I'm Ben Law. I'm a VP at GoDaddy. I run the UK business, so I'm responsible for the, the day-to-day operations. And prior to joining GoDaddy, worked at several big corporate tech firms, um, a prop tech startup, uh, and dabbled in a few of my own I guess, entrepreneurial adventures as well, from selling sunglasses from China right through to trying to trying to grow a, a grown-up home accessories interiors business as well. well. Sounds fascinating. I'd love to get into a little bit of your uh, entrepreneurial stories in a moment. Just before we do, I, I want to say um, publicly a big thank you to you and your team at GoDaddy UK for supporting entrepreneurs and the Purposeful Project. I, uh, can't, I can't tell you, uh, um, the listeners know that you're a sponsor, but beyond just being a sponsor of this podcast, your team, every time I've talked to them, it's now been about 50 conversations, it's always been, how can we bring value to entrepreneurs? How can we help the GoDaddy community and entrepreneurs in general succeed? And I know that comes from the leadership, so I wanted to say a big thank you. No, I re- really appreciate that. And at, at GoDaddy, <clears throat> without going too corporate, but our, our mission is to support these everyday entrepreneurs and, and the team are fully engrossed in, in doing that. How do we bring not just the products, tools, and services, but the people that can help any time of the day, give that advice or guidance in terms of what, what's the next step? Have you thought about this or, or, or what might be the next product or service that can help you grow your journey or power your journey to that next level? Well, I like to think of myself as a, someone that understands the corporate world and, and, and I can smell bullshit when I see it, but I have to tell you, the GoDaddy experience has been the complete opposite of bullshit. Everything you guys have said that you want to do for entrepreneurs, you are doing. And I feel it behind the scenes. There's always that conversation that you just mentioned there, like what can we do to help help customers and entrepreneurs in general do well? So all credit to you and your leadership there. Now, I know um, I think this sincere uh, reason you want to help entrepreneurs so much comes from your, of course, your own personal story. I know your team, most of them are all entrepreneurs. I know yeah. Abby, for example, yes. uh, as, as an entrepreneur, had her own business. And you have too. So tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial experience before we get into the the research that we know uh, about communities that your team have discovered yeah i mean it, it, it's a potted history um and at, at godaddy we encourage the team to do their own thing and give it a go because that's how we can relate uh, and make the best decisions um from a business point of view but also for our customers but from my p- perspective i've always had the itch um i guess to make my own way to be a bit of a self-sufficient self-starter um i guess starting from Maybe when I was 16, 17, how, how do I earn a bit of extra cash? 
and it wasn't very entrepreneurial in nature, but it, it was glass collecting in the local pub. And actually up north, it's quite customary to get tips with every order. Um, so as I progressed to bar work, I guess I developed that gift of the gab, the, the, the customer service element of talking to customers, making them feel good, listening to their stories. And I actually found that I could make more in tips than I made on my basic salary. So that was that was kind of an eye-opener for me that actually I can I can deliver this and I can I don't have to rely on the bank of mum and dad to do the next thing. I can I can make my own way. And then that that itch stayed unitched for a while, but at university, um actually if I go back a bit, my my f- best friend, um, who was my best man at the wedding, we were talking about that a bit earlier, but he at some point when we were sixteen or seventeen turned around and said, I'm buying a Renault Clio. And I had a, a Ford Fiesta I bought for 400 quid off my grandma. Um, and this was an eight grand kind of Renault Clio. And I was like, how have you got the money to do that? And he was like, I've, I've been selling some stuff on eBay. Um, and by the time we were 17, he had, he had tens of thousands of pounds in the bank. And he was he was that guy that was at school selling selling stuff from Argos for a profit, um, essentially. And and that that kind of having that relationship with him kind of brought me into that world a little bit in terms of actually there's, there's money to be made here if you can think about it in the right way. So at university, a little bit of a copycat, but imported some sunglasses from, from China. Um, it felt like I had boxes and boxes and thousands and thousands of them. And I think if I went up in my loft today, I'd still find some, but um, start selling those on eBay. Um, they were costing about 40, 50p a unit. Um, literally would have massive celebrations if they sold for four or five pounds Occasionally, they'll go for nearly twenty pounds, and I, this, that was like, okay, I can actually fund my way through university using this business model. And I was also buying digital cameras um, with another friend at uni. They were just out, really. They were just becoming mainstream. You could get about eight to twelve photos on on the memory card at that point. We would buy a digital camera, use it on a night out for a few weeks, sell it on eBay for a profit, and then buy the next best digital camera we could. And we did that five or six times over made a few hundred quid and, and paid for our nights out. So I always had that that streak in me. Um, and I've probably got a list of 20 business ideas or domain names that I've registered and not fully taken the next step on. Um, I was very close to trying to launch a next day headphone delivery service in London. Um, I used to look after the order category at Sony. So I knew the headphones market and the target customer inside out. I felt there was a niche there. But for some reason, I was got stuck in that safety bubble of the corporate world and didn't really understand the tools that were there to make that side hustle aside from selling on a marketplace at that point. Um, and then in 2013, 2014, uh, when my wife and I were thinking about having a family, actually wouldn't it be nice to have our own business so we could have that flexibility. So we set up uh, a home accessories interiors business, um, <clears throat> similar to the eBay model, but went out and Sourced direct from trade, um, went to lots of trade shows, found nice pieces, and we we kind of defined it as a capsule collection for your home for each varying season, but they would always match up and go in your home. So you could just come to our Liberty Grace website at the time, um, buy any of these items or all of the items for, for a price, and you knew that would match up when we restocked for the next season. The proof of concept was there. Um, we actually built it on a GoDaddy online shop uh, back in 2014. We found the suppliers, uh, we found a good way of getting the markup. Uh, we used social channels to kind of build a small community of a few hundred people that were engaged and we were selling items pretty well. And then we started to have a family. Um, and in hindsight, and hindsight's a wonderful thing. If we'd have known there was a pandemic coming a few years later where 
home accessories interiors business was really boom, we'd have been really well placed um, to have taken that forward. But I think we we erred on the side of caution a little bit too much, and we we put that capital aside for the family future. I kick myself a lot now because I'm like, actually, we we had a proven business model there; it was working. But we both doubled down in our corporate careers to make sure we had that kind of family nest egg for when the family started. I think it's a story that a lot of people will relate to, though. I mean, it's um, uh, quite a lot of people have started a website, had an idea, and and it is quite scary, isn't it, to follow through and literally put, you know, you've got two children, you yeah. know, put put their um, their the money you need to look after them into a business. Yeah. You know, that's what it feels like sometimes, isn't it? It's not not an easy decision. Yeah, and, and and there's always trade offs to be made, and I, and I think. I think lots of your <clears throat> viewers and listeners will relate to this. When when you're running your own business, you're wearing every type of hat there is, especially as you're just starting out. There might be one or two of you, but you're you're the accountant, <clears throat> you're the the legal expert in your business, you're the product expert or the service expert, you're head of marketing, you're head of customer services and complaints and escalations, you're head of IT and technical and delivery. Um, so there's there's lots of hats to be wearing, and then you balance that with with the capital side of things as well. I think again, this is one of the reasons this podcast exists is to give people um, an understanding that one, they're not alone. This is a thing that happens to us all as we build a business. I've been through exactly the same that you're talking about. I think the other thing is that there are other ways, right? There are access to angel investors, for example. It doesn't have to all come out of your uh, savings to feed the family. There's there's other ways to 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 raise money, sponsorship, partners. There's all sorts of ways to fund it that it doesn't necessarily just come out of your, your own yeah, personal Yeah, certainly. Pocket. And I think if, if I'd have started the business three or four years later, I think I'd have been a lot more well-versed on the communities and networks that are out there to go on and raise that capital. In my head, I think I was like, I'm going to bootstrap this right. for want of a better term, but that's the term we, we all use now to, to bootstrap it and do it. And then actually at the point, I was like, actually, that's not capital I can afford to, to move at the moment. Um, but yeah, like, like you say now, there's lots of different ways of doing it. And we, we see that VC world is open. There's crowdfunding. I know you had Chris Fryer on from, from Magpie um, a few weeks ago, but he's looking at that crowdfunding route to expand his business and, and pivot as he did during the pandemic. And I mean, that, that option now with technology, not just from building your online presence, but accessing finance is a lot more democratized. And it's something you can, you can discover online a lot easier and quicker than you could eight, nine, 10 years ago. Yeah. And not only crowdfunding, of course, um, I think there's also that whole um, cash flow management side of the business too, where you can get pre-orders and, and there's all sorts of uh, support systems to give you the cash to fulfill the order and then pay it. There's just so many ways now that I, I don't think it did exist even four or five years ago. It is literally, I feel recently, these things have all come to fruition. But um, but I, 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 what I like about your story is that you, you understand what it's like to be an entrepreneur. And I think that's what in my view, um, makes GoDaddy different. It's it's full of people that understand how hard it is to be an entrepreneur and, and then building things to help people. Yeah, so, so, and it, it's those real-life examples that help when you're thinking about how do we talk about this product or service or how do we want our care guides to interact with, with a customer. Um, I think we're all we're all entrepreneurs. Um, we're, we're entrepreneurs within a corporate company, but we're doing that for the good of other everyday entrepreneurs that are trying to build their own business. Well, we, we often say this on, on the podcast that um, this podcast isn't just for people that are going to go and start their own business, but also those that want to learn the skills of entrepreneurship yeah. to take into the business that they're in. And I think that that can make you more valuable uh, as an employee. It can bring you more fulfillment too. So your entrepreneurial skills that you picked up 
from a young age uh, with your friend doing these different businesses and, and now taking into GoDaddy? Anything that jumps out at you as you know, really useful things that people should learn? I mean, a, a lot of it, I think, is around focus and prioritization. So there's, there's a lot of things as a business owner or as a corporate leader that come across your plate. I think the one thing I learned from running my own businesses and trying my own things is, is acting quickly, but by learning quickly and failing fast. Um, the, in a corporate world or as you're looking to scale or start up a business, that ability to find what's working and then double down on it. Or if you predefine a, a path and it doesn't work, kind of learning those skills to let that go mm. and move on to the next thing. And I think as I've worked in big corporates over the last 20 years, corporates can become quite slow and there's a lot more decision makers in the mix. And I think if you've experienced running your own business or working in a startup that is, is fundamentally a lot more agile and flexible as you're looking to keep your runway and, and grow your capital and scale and, and, and get overall growth across all of your channels, one of the major things you learn is there's all these things we could be doing. Let's find what is working and then let's double down on that. And we can let some of this other stuff go and if this thing we're pursuing stops working, we'll move on to the next thing and we'll iterate quickly and learn quickly. And we have a great culture like that at GoDaddy. We try and move quickly, flexibly, we experiment and we have a, a culture if we can improve something by 1% a day, by the time we get through a year, we'll have made huge gains in our business. And that's great gains then for the everyday entrepreneurs that use all of our products and tools. Well, again, I can say it from experience of dealing with you. Uh, you made a quick decision to support what we're doing at the Purposeful Project. And uh, and since then, we've together been trying to improve everything 1% a day. So, uh, yeah, you, you, you're, 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 what you're saying, you're doing as well. If this podcast is inspiring you to start or grow a business, then I recommend you use Taylor Brands. They are our sponsor for this podcast and they help you not only craft a brand, but design merchandise and so much more. In the last year, I've used this site for every single one of my businesses. I couldn't recommend them more and we've even negotiated a 40% off discount code for you just use PEP P-E-P when using their website to make your booking now let's get back to the podcast I also think it's very important for people to pick up on this point about failing because I think you don't hear it very often from senior leadership in, in corporations that it's good to fail it is good to fail it's good to then learn from that failure and move on right I think that's yeah, yeah certainly and I, I, I feel like I'm famous for saying I think this is going to be the winning variant or winning experiment. More, more than likely, what I think is going to work doesn't work. <laughs> um, and I don't get hung up on that. That's, that's why we experiment. That's why we A-B test different iterations and variations of what we do. Mm. And I, I've, I've gone through that mill of, even in the big corporates, probably pushing the envelope as a, a young marketing grad, trying to prove a point that digital marketing is the way forward and we're going to go and do this and upsetting a few people on the way, but, but trying to move these bigger businesses forward quickly and then working in a prop tech startup where we had ambitions to grow over 100% year on year you've got to focus and you've got to fail because if you're not finding those bits that aren't working you're not going to find the bits that do work or you're not going to iterate and change your strategy um, just recently I interviewed Tony Fidel uh, the founder of Nest inventor of the iPod and yes, iPhone yeah. and he said something very similar that um, basically the idea that if you uh, if you you don't always have to be liked, you don't always have to be the most popular person in the room. You just mentioned there about people not liking you as you're pushing the envelope. I guess that's a very important trait of top leadership and entrepreneurs, isn't it? You can't always be liked by everybody. Hopefully, your customers, but but ultimately, decisions get made that might make you unpopular. Yeah, I think so, and I I think it's also 
constructive feedback for founders and, and business owners as well, because you can't always wear, talked about all these hats that you wear. At some point, you need to think about relinquishing some control because that's also going to let you grow and expand and you bring people in because you trust them. So you, then you, you've got to make sure you're comfortable delegating some of that control away, even though you're still overseeing what's going on in the pots. But also that, that's really important in terms of it's your baby. You're going to drive it forward, but you've also got to think and, and rely on other people and a network to make sure you grow successfully. I guess that's quite difficult for people uh, to grasp as a concept because, well, certainly in a corporate environment, I feel like you could get fired if they muck up, you know, like, so you have to have some control, right? I guess in an entrepreneurial setting, if, um, if you delegate and, and there's no comeback, no one can fire you, right? So how do you manage that within a corporate setting? How do you manage the parameters? It all comes down to culture, um, <clears throat> a culture of trust and a culture of we're comfortable experimenting. And to our previous point, we're, we're comfortable failing. What we're trying to do is find that 1% that improves performance. And if we can improve our performance, we're going to improve the performance of all of our customers that use our, our tools and services. So I think for me, it comes down to trusting the people and showing that through leadership and that you're happy and comfortable for people to have that autonomy to take on projects and tasks and be an owner of that specific. So they're, they're the business owner, they're the that entrepreneur, that internal entrepreneur that owns that part of your business and you trust them to go and deliver. But you can have those grown up honest conversations. If it's not working, how do we pivot? How do we change it? And if it is working, how do we get more resources from across the company to pile into this and, and push it forward? And I think that directly relates to entrepreneur life the same. I mean, that kind of culture is so important. Culture eats strategy for breakfast, I think, is the same. Yeah. Right? So, so I know you're exposed to thousands of thousands of companies through the GoDaddy platform. And I know you guys do a lot of research on what's working within companies and what's not. Are there any common mistakes you see entrepreneurs making? Yeah, I've touched on I've touched on a few already. I think the the inability to let go of other hats and trying to trying to make the time to seek out the other experts that can that could really help you and give you that time out and, and bring in that external advice. Now that's difficult when you're living it 24-7, you're probably using your own capital. We, we know from our research, many people start with up to 500 pounds of their own savings and that's, that's not an infinite pot. So they need to find things that work and it can become difficult to go, actually, do I approach someone and pay them to deliver this service for me? Or do I try and research and spend weeks and weeks trying to understand it and then move forward? Actually, a lot of the time you might not have weeks and weeks. You might need to pivot now or change that strategy or, or get the right market fit early to do that. Um, and then I, I think <clears throat> lots of the questions I get asked about if I speak at events or, or go to trade shows or people approach me and I, I like to give up my time to help business owners and entrepreneurs to give some of my experience and thought, thought leadership, but it's around marketing strategy. And I'm a, I'm a huge advocate that you've got to have a marketing strategy in place and it should be a key component of that business plan. Um, and I see lots of business owners today spending hours and hours and lots of time trying to grow a social community actually sometimes it's about getting the product market fit right and defining actually who's my ideal customer and your ideal customer in your head might not be who ends up buying your projects it products or services so then you need to use your analytics software or, or your website builder provider to see the types of people when they're visiting your page their demographics is that who you think you're talking to and trying to attract over here when you're spending hours and hours creating content for social? It might not all be, always be the right thing. And a big question I get asked about is, is SEO and content. I'm actually a big believer that 
yes, you can get really technical with SEO. And we have teams and teams at, at GoDaddy and all the big companies. We've had them on this in. podcast and they, they blew my mind with their ability and knowledge. But yeah, yeah. And, 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 it, and it's a deep, dark world of technical SEO that you can, you can get lost in and, and experts need experts to, to improve technical SEO. I'm a huge proponent of defining your content plan, sticking to it consistently, and you'll see growth and organic results on the back of that. And then when you get to a certain stage where you can afford and you want to take that next step of growth, then you can look into the more technical aspects of SEO. Um, so I think a, a marketing plan is often overlooked. And I find from experience that lots of people focus on, I need a big Twitter community or a big Facebook community. And actually some of the basics get forgotten. Like I might have a great Twitter profile. I might be active five or six times a day, but I don't actually have a website. And we know from research that customers looking at a new brand and if they're served a new advert in an Instagram feed, for example, a huge number, over 90%, still go and check out that website to see if it's a brand I can trust. They might not transact there, but they go and find that information. So I think it's often overlooked <clears throat> having some of those basics in place. And it might be Twitter or Instagram is the best place to sell, but you still need to have that kind of trust hook within your business to, to really get that volume and growth coming back. It's an interesting point. I guess um, people listening might be, well, you know, you're from GoDaddy, so you're suggesting that people get a website address. But I can tell you from experience of 30 years building a business that people see it as a credibility item. You know, yeah. It's proof that you're real and serious. And a lot of the scammers out there, for example, don't have websites and you can't check who they are. and what. So that, that stuff's no, it's a subconscious element in business that people do see um, overlook a little bit. Like you say, they're just yeah. going for social following and they're not giving their community a place to go and actually connect. Yeah, I think so. And I think as I talk to people, it just sounds like lots of people invest a lot of time over there when they're not looking at the data or, and I think data is really important if you're, if you're growing a, a nascent idea or an, an early stage, <clears throat> an early stage project, looking at those data points and you don't have to be a data expert, but it's just, does this data point corroborate what I was thinking was going to happen? And if not, these are the people actually that are already coming and using my product or service. So I need to double down on, on that segment. But yeah, I think tr trust is hugely important and you can build trust in different ways. There is the, there's the digital presence and that could be the website or posting fairly or semi-regularly on social channels. So if people do come and check you out, they're probably going to look in a few places like, does this person have a proper Twitter account? Does it look like they engage properly? It's not a robot or it's not a scammer. Do they have a physical address? I might even look that up on Google Maps to check that they look more legitimate. Or it might be through conversations and group networking digitally through LinkedIn or through local business groups that exist in all the regions across the UK, whether it's a Chambers of Commerce or a local business district. There are ways of building trust uh, and building a network of supporters in your local area pretty easily. It's the, I guess it's the old fashioned part of PR, but it's getting out there, telling people about your product or service, what you do. And actually then building a network of prospective suppliers and customers and recommendations on the back of that. I agree with you. People don't spend enough time uh, really on, on this structure. And I think it can make a huge difference. I also think listeners don't want it to miss this, that go check your data. You know, what's actually going on? Like you say, who you think your client is X and go see what the data tells you. Quite often people get so fixed on what they believe instead of going and seeing what the data tells them is the truth.
Yeah. So really, really good point. Now, I know GoDaddy launched a new piece of research into entrepreneurship and communities. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what lessons there are in the research for entrepreneurs listening? Yeah, so we, we launched um, a body of research that we call Venture Forward um, just in March. And it's the first in-depth study of micro-businesses in Great Britain. So a micro-business is the type of businesses we're talking about that they're under 10 employees. And actually, to date, there's not been a huge amount of research focusing just on this business segment. We'll hear lots of people talk about SMBs and small, small medium-sized businesses or enterprises. And micro-businesses are often lumped into that bigger segment. In the UK, there are 5.6 million businesses. 96% of them, so 5.3 million, are a micro-business. And to date, they've been under-researched. So as a result, misunderstood and, and underserved by businesses and policymakers across, across Great Britain. So that's what Venture Forward is in a nutshell. It's a data-led study. It's in partnership with Kent Business School to really understand the value that micro-businesses add to a local community, but then to the economy all up as a whole. And there's some really interesting data points that come out of it, and I'm sure lots that people can relate to. But one thing is clear that we're seeing a new breed of entrepreneur in Great Britain. They're younger and they're more diverse. And we see lots of interesting data points about actually there's a north-south divide in the amount of micro-businesses per regions. So yeah, what, what we can see from the study is there's a high correlation between the amount of micro-businesses in an area. So how venture-dense an area is, the amount of micro-businesses per 100 people, and the quality of life and prosperity of that area. So if there's a high venture density, your likelihood of earning above average wages goes up by about 12%. And if you combine high venture density with great access to internet infrastructure, your life satisfaction scores are going to be 4% higher than the equivalent area as well. So these micro-businesses, these entrepreneurs, are not just powering their own prosperity, they're powering the prosperity of their local community as well. It makes me think as well that I, I know myself, I moved to Hong Kong based on data. Um, Hong Kong's being handed back to the Chinese and I could see there was an opportunity there to open a business. And I think uh, maybe even looking at the data and deciding where is good to open up a business in the UK, for example, it, can the data be used that way? In a way, I think what, what, what is clear in the data is there is still a huge bias towards the south of the country. Um, so the, the biggest areas for micro-business venture density prior to the pandemic was London, the Southeast and Southwest. And post-pandemic, the data hasn't changed. It's still London, Southeast and Southwest. So I think as, as GoDaddy, we're working with policymakers, business leaders from around Great Britain to make sure we're giving opportunities outside of the South. But then as a business owner, there is huge opportunity to start a business anywhere in, in the UK. Everyone has access, maybe aside from internet speeds, but everyone has access to digital online business formation services, the ability to build a website, have a social presence. And actually for a few hundred pounds, you can get an online shop up and running. And for even less, you can build a website to advertise your products or services. So the, the opportunity is there for everyone. At GoDaddy, we're trying to get that education out there and make sure that people know that the tools and services are available. The landscape's changed dramatically, not just in the last decade, but the last four or five years. And we just need people to know that this service is available and this support group and network is available as well. Yeah, in fact, um, you know, my point about finding a location for your business that could do better because of it, it's, it, you're doing the opposite in a way, which I really like, which is you're trying to make the level up concept in the UK, which is part of the government's policy, actually happen by yeah. analysing the data and seeing where the holes are, right? So, exactly. and, and, and I think it's, um, well, look, can our listeners 
get a hold of this report? How would they, can we put the links in the yeah. podcast notes so, below? So as you'd expect, it's on the GoDaddy website, but you can go to ventureforward.com. Um, there's a lot of studies on there. So just navigate to the Great Britain study and you can see all of those data points available. And we map that data down to constituency level as well. So you can even see how your area is performing for the amount of micro businesses in your area versus elsewhere across the country. That's great. So for our listeners, um, you can, we'll put the links down below. They can go and study that. And if they have any comments, thoughts, or need any help to start or grow a business, then they can go godaddy.com, of course, thepurposeofproject.com. And we uh, thank you, Ben, for taking time out, sharing not only your entrepreneurial knowledge and experience, but all the things you're doing at GoDaddy. And again, thank you on behalf of our community. No, likewise. Thank you for the time, Sam. Thanks for listening to Pep Talk. We hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to follow The Purposeful Project on all our social media channels where we're giving away even more free business secrets and entrepreneurial value. Again, we'd like to thank our sponsor GoDaddy for powering this podcast. From naming a business to buying a domain name to building your website for free, GoDaddy has you covered. For 40% off GoDaddy tools, click the link in the podcast note below and use the code GDXPEPTALK. See you next time, entrepreneurs. And remember, you're not alone.